Welcome everyone to the All Heart Podcast. My name is Noni Lamar. And my name is Thea Monier, and this is a podcast. All about joy. And pleasure. Pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure. 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 Hey, y'all. Welcome to our podcast. Um, We just want to thank you guys for coming. You know what? You people. From coming through. That's right. Check ourselves. I'm going to check myself. That's right. Um, I wanted to thank y'all. Y'all really love the unschooling episode. They did. Y'all came through. I didn't know y'all were some budding unschoolers. I mean, folks is trying to change the system. For real. I was like, okay, I get it. Our listeners are rebels. (laughs) No. What else would we attract? (laughs) Literally, what else would we attract? Oh, oh my goodness. So many listeners. So thank you again to Akila and for sharing the episode with your audience and all the great people who came our way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All the new people that are here, please subscribe. Yes. Yeah, please press the subscribe button on your iTunes podcast app. Subscribe, share, review, mm-hmm. but only if it's positive. Only positive reviews, please. Rate. <laughs> rate. Leave only a, positive ratings. <laughs> leave us a positive rating, but please subscribe. That's how you know when we have new episodes and episodes drop every Wednesday. Yep. That's, so exciting. That's We're it. so consistent. <laughs> <laughs> We're so grown. We are really consistent. That is completely because of Noni. But you know, that's one of our major compliments about this podcast. Literally, that is our earth sign, our resident <laughs> earth sign. Fire sign would be like, ooh, I got I'm not I haven't been I don't have a topic though. And the earth sign's like, well, you better get one by I'm like, I have this list of topics. A list of topics. Here we go. One thing you three, said four. two months ago. <laughs> I do have a Thank running God. list. I'm sure you do. I have you just dream pull guests. From. Yes, I do. I love it. Yes, I, I have a lot going I on. I forget half the shit I say between podcasts. <laughs> People remind me that I said it. I'm just and ha- I go back and listen. I'm happy that you listen. That's I do. That's my only requirement. To ours. <laughs> I listen to podcasts that I'm on. That's it's so it? bad. No, I have a few that I do listen to now. I, I, I used to be terrible. You know I was bad. What, but your, now I listen to more. What's your favorite? Episode? No. Podcast. Besides ours. Mm, I'm not going to answer that. Because <laughs> you're a Leo. You don't want nobody to go listen to I nothing else. Nobody. I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to answer that. I mean, also because, like, you know, we've interacted with these different people and, like, I like, oh, them. I like yeah. different ones. Oh, yeah. So yeah. You, we don't want to play favorites. No, I can't say that. What's your favorite genre? Genre, podcast genre. Do you like true crime? I haven't gotten into any of that. <laughs> I haven't. I actually, one of the ones I was listening to was like a Duolingo <laughs> podcast, so I could learn to learn to up my Spanish a bit. You know, I'll be listening with that one. Are you now listen to the Bachelor podcast? There's a Bachelor podcast. There, are, there's a Bachelor podcast in, environment. There's like ten, I didn't twelve, even, I didn't fifteen. Know. No. No. And there's some that, that I've listened to pretty steadily. It just depends on what phase I'm in, what I need. It shifts. I have no real loyalty. I use things until I don't need them anymore that I stop. Okay. Well, if you're a podcast listener, don't be. Don't like be like me. me. Please don't. I am such a, I'm like a, the bumblebee of podcasts. Like I go to this flower, I get what I need and then I buzz on. I'm pretty loyal podcast listener. You are. You're fiercely loyal. Like you, 
You do all the things. You're I you're the that. one everybody wants. <laughs> I'm the one that's like fucking up everybody's numbers. But lately I haven't been able to listen to my Bachelor podcast or watch the Bachelor franchise as much because my life got too black. Mm. So it just started feeling just... I was like, my life's a little too black right now. For all this. Yeah. I, I got too many black problems for this <laughs> show. At this particular <laughs> moment in time. Yeah, like, where's the poverty? Where's the poverty where's, this? Where's, where's the uh, Where's the, the forced podcast? migration? Oh, I don't see any forced migration here. I don't see any health issues. None of these. No health disparities. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I can't. I no, can't. No food deserts. So, Thea, um, maybe for our heart to heart today, we could talk about something that's bringing you pleasure right now. I my, mean, a deep. I can. Profound pleasure. Yeah. So if you follow me on Instagram, you know, you've seen like these June bugs. Mm. I post them almost every day because they visit me almost every day. And I love them. People are like creeped out by them. They're the ones that like sound loud and they're kind of big and they're green. Mm -hmm. So people swat them, which this is my PSA. Please, please, (laughs) please don't do that. But I love them. Like, I feel like I feel like when they come around, it's like always when I'm thinking about something I'm dreaming about, like something I'm. One, I'm making happen. I'm visualizing, or, or I'm just having a pleasant, pleasant thought, and they'll just like kind of show up out of nowhere. Sometimes like three or four in a day, and now my kids swear that they're following them. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but um, I, you know, I've been spending so much time in nature. Like it's pretty much all I do when I'm not working, and I feel, you know, I feel like it's awakening a part of me that was there when I was a kid that I haven't tapped into in a very long time. This mm-hmm. feeling that everything has so much life to it and I can identify that life and I can connect to that life. And it's keeping me really sane, but it also like helps me notice like we talked about emotion code in the body, how things store in the body. Mm-hmm. So like I feel the need to do more body work than I did, of course, over the summer. And a lot of that has to do with like, you know, commuting and sitting in a chair at work. But also I just think I just was only coming into contact with people who were not stressful, mm. like only. <laughs> and so real, really making, it's really having that time in nature, having that home base is really creating an atmosphere for me to actively weekly let things go, like mm. not carrying it in. I know I've been trying to do that theoretically, like in my mind, like, okay, take a, take a bath or do this, but having, earth to like put my hands into and like let things go has been super helpful. So I don't, I don't think I'm going, I know I'm not going to go back to the level of functioning I was at before. Like I can't, I haven't even cracked open my passion planner. I can't do it. (laughs) I literally can't do it. It's not joyful for me at this time, but the pleasure piece is like really um, centered around nature right now. I love that. So you're turning into a, a regular Martha Stewart over there. Oh, no. no. I think I'm just going back to life. Uh-oh. Back to reality. I've been on a road today. You know today. what? You, you really got a hidden voice. I've been, it's, it's low key. You, you might want to bring that up. You never sang in our band. There was a lot going on at that time. <laughs> it was a lot. It wasn't the place for do you sharing get into, gifts. Do you want to do you, do you open your heart? Do you want to talk about <laughs> do it? Do you want to talk Go back to the angry black women. I don't feel safe. <laughs> I must. I must first feel safe. 
<laughs> this is not a safe place right now to talk about that. I just don't want to. <laughs> according to my uh, horoscope reading, I'm supposed to look forward only. Okay. Forward forever. Never forward before. motion. So that's what's bringing you pleasure. Anything yeah, else? tremendous. Anything else? I mean, anything uh, sexy? <laughs> 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 oh, nobody. I love you so much. I'm just wondering, you know, want to spice it up in here. Uh, uh, I'm going to. Mm, June bugs. Let's just stick with June bugs. Let's just stick with June bugs. So, so, this is the part of the episode you guys can listen to, and then you're going to press pause, and then I'm going to talk. Here goes Noni. <laughs> Tell tell what you got on. You must have something spicy over there. No, I'm I'm not saying nothing like that. You know, I'm pregnant, (laughs) and I'm always like, is that a problem with lust? Is that a problem? (laughs) It can can be. It's what it's on the list. And I say, who made that list? This is true. Who put lust back? (laughs) Buck. Back, who made the motherfucking list? This is the question we should all be asking. You know, you in know, what? To everything. I was really driving in my car yesterday. Like, do I have a problem with lust? What is lust? What is lust? What is that? Baby, don't hurt me. I feel like don't hurt me. I put things in their appropriate places. <laughs> I'm squinting at her right now. Okay, or, but you, you know, know what? You know what? I'll tell you what lust is. Lust is that look you get whenever you talk about your early twenties, <laughs> when you're always like, "Yeah, where I met it's, my man." It's, it's, it's the it's the yeah. that comes at the end of it all. When you, oh, you have those conversations. That when people could be when lust. people say your children are so beautiful. Yeah, they are. The Should I say it's lust? No. <laughs> I mean, is it? Do you feel like that's the key between beautiful children and non-beautiful children? I just your don't parents un- should have been a little more lusty. I'm, I don't understand. Where's the lust? Where's the lust start and the love begin? Who determines what's lusty? Maybe it's mixed in. Because it's like, what is? It may not be mutually exclusive. But you know, so if it's on, you definitely like if it's on you like hub, deliciousness. If, if it's on Pornhub, I remember a conversation. No, I remember we had a conversation about this when we were in our twenties. <laughs> Do I want to share this conversation now that I think about it? Go ahead. It's a safe the, space. At the time, we're talking about. I may pleasure. have been a bit repressed. Okay. So we're just leaving that there, <laughs> and I remember. I know. I think it was me, you, and Crystal. Maybe was it Crystal there? No, no, it was me and you. It was me and you. I remember. And you, she looks so proud and smug right now. I wish you all could see her (laughs) freaking face. And so, I think we were talking about sex being like messy. Thea was saying, you know, I was repressed. I like to use condoms because it's cleaner. It's quick cleanup, homie. It's like you don't have to worry about all that shit. And nobody said. I'm like, it's it's supposed to be messy. Like, what do you mean clean? That's the fun part. Her exact words was she spread her arms out and she was like, color all outside the lines. <laughs> She's like, the messier the better. And I'm like, this house. <laughs> and the visual in my head was like, everywhere. You want it everywhere? Like, I just didn't understand it. Now, I joined you with arms outstretched, my friend. And I stayed not pregnant at that time. <laughs> you and did. Sort of pushed, you did. Sort of put it out there. Things have changed. <laughs> Things have I stayed very childless. You did. 
in that era. Dating the same human. That era is gone. Yes. Well, you know what's been bringing me pleasure? (laughs) If you really want to know. I really, I do. It's my essential oils. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) That's that's nice. Any ones in particular? I got an oil called Abundance. Hmm. Hmm. It's getting real hippie for y'all out here. It is. I got an oil called... We'll bring you back. You know what? I was on my manifest tip. And I said, I need some new oils. But them young living oils, they be hitting. They do. Them prices are like... They, they're real. They're like, you, wanna, you <laughs> want this oil? This oil costs $52. Yeah, it's real. And you know, when I'm, you know I'm balling often. Mm. But this summer wasn't the summer it's, of the ball. 2019 has been interesting. <laughs> it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. We're we, we, we back on the come up, just yes. so we're clear. Yes. We're we, we over the hump. Yeah. At least for the money. We're, yeah. we're getting over. But... I was like oils versus eggs, milk, bread. Essentials, gas. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I really need some new oils. And then someone called and said, I have all of these oh. full bottles of Young Living Essential Oils for you. Can you come over and pick out which ones you want? Wow. Isn't that nice? Well, that happens to you, no? Like, that's... that's you know. It that, can happen to us all. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. We can do an episode about that. We should do really about effortless manifestation. So, yes, that's what's been really bringing me a lot of pleasure. When I'm in a really kind of irritated space, I just like fill up the diffuser, mm-hmm. turn on some like uh, world music. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. my world music. You do. Turn mm-hmm. on my world music mm-hmm. playlist. Yes. Right now, I like something called comedic yoga. Oh, yeah. Put on the comedic yoga playlist, mm-hmm. press play. And just let it all... Just put abundance in the diffuser. Put that diffuser on red. Because you can make it different Only colors. a couple drops. <laughs> Ten. This is 52. No, no. This is the $52 bottle. See, this is why you got to think abundant, my nigga. This is why. Why are you using abundance? Yeah. you did Ten drops. Okay. <laughs> ten drops. I'd be like, drops. it can work with five. No, ten. Ten, ten Fifteen, drops. Fifteen, twenty. Ten. Fill up the air. Fill up the air. Yeah. And you're so generous because I would be sniffing all that abundance myself. Everybody would be coming in like, get out of my, get out of the room. Trying to sniff up all 10 milliliters. But it's really been bringing, I mean, I know I'm a Taurus, so like I'm really since, since driven. So that's really been just my place of pleasure. I'll say, you know, in starting this podcast and the conversation we were having prior to starting this podcast, life has changed dramatically since we have had this focus of centering joy and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like, ridiculously. It's um, going to be interesting for people as these changes continue because it really means prioritizing what you find joyful and what you find pleasurable, Yeah, which, you know, isn't always what works for other people. But ultimately, I think in relationships it can because if everybody can actually tap into what brings them joy and share that information with other people... They can join in and assist sometimes. I know that there's that that fine line that we talk about, right? Like, is there like does it become become selfish? Right. Does it become self centered? Right. You know, we're still a part of a community, right? All of that stuff, you yeah. know. But yeah. I I do find like this morning I was like welcoming my family to my pleasurable moment. Yeah. Like, oh, let me wake up and create a pleasurable experience for everyone. Let yeah. me turn on the diffuser, put on the music. I went and got, oh, 
You're two. Here's some Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's some colors and stuff for you. Here's a book for you you love to read. Everyone gather around. And we all, you know, seven That's in the morning. So nice. Seven in the morning, create an entire vibe for everybody. Like, I didn't want to wake up, but we were up. So, yeah. like, let's create this. You know, known. What? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful scenario. You just painted there. Let me tell you how that would go down in my house. Tell me. I would get up, mm-hmm. you know, do my prayers, get my house in order, stage, making sure everybody wakes up right. I'd probably hear, who burnt that? <laughs> what you have to that, that is, that is, I don't like how that smells. It's making me sneeze. Then it will be followed up with, okay, well, you know, I'm just making lunch. I don't want that in my lunch. You know, I don't like this. It would just be a million and one complaints. So now I get up. And I do everything I want to do for myself. Hmm. And I tell them to put it in the complaint box. Do you know where the complaint box is, Noni? In the toilet? We don't have one. (laughs) Find it and then put it in there. (laughs) And then I go on with my joy. I tell them you can join the joy or this joy train ain't stopping. That's where we are. But I do have teens. Yeah, it's a little bit different. And I've raised them to be very... uh, Vocal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... For all you unschoolers out there, <laughs> there is a there is a point in time when that shit might backfire. You but you know you're working through. You're working through. You just you think it's going to. I'm turn. an emotional unschooler for sure. You know I have like my kids like, but there are times I have to remind myself this could come in handy when they're older. I'm just gonna try to preserve it. Uh, you know, this morning was that this morning? It probably was. I like made this whole breakfast though, like. I'd be really demanding a lot of appreciation because I'm like, it took me a good everyone. That's the thing, no appreciation, right? I, I demand it. Like, I think I've made everyone their own eggs, like mm. a short order cook. Like, how a do you like it? Short order MF and cook. Yes. Like, how do you like it? Let me make it that way. I think I made yams and toast and cut up fruit. There was a lot going on. It was a, that does sound it was a big breakfast. And then they just sat down and they went like this, thanks. Right. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> Not today. I'm, I'm like, the effort I put in needs to match your appreciation. Like, we need an energetic exchange. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, at this age, I don't feel guilty for, like, being like, all right, do you? I'm about to go out here, <laughs> get these nails done. Don't want nobody coming with me. Well, and that's true. I'll see. I mean, but when they join in, great. Let's do it. But I, I think I've had to do the short order cook thing when I wasn't cooking. Like that, that was the method for everything. Like oh. everybody had tailor made yeah. orders for me for everything. And I think that's like shifting. And for my own sanity. And I'm realizing for me at this point, because I've been doing it so long, that like everybody, I've equipped you all with the tools to emotionally take care of yourself that same way. That I've been taking care of you. So you're like, as I'm censoring myself, so can you. Yes, and take responsibility for yourself in that regard. Like your self-care, your emotions, manage them, don't project them. And like, you know, I've given you the tools. Remember that book? Remember that? Remember that YouTube video I sent you? Jewel Pukram says black children are grown at 15, so. I'm just saying. (laughs) We're we're over that hump. I got one over the hump. I got one coming around the corner. And I got another one that's down the street. <laughs> but she might get lumped in with the one that's around the corner. 
That's like that sad, like that black mama cackle. (laughs) (laughs) Evil cackle. Okay, so today, what's our subject, Thea, to talk about today? Today's topic is, I don't fuck with fear like that. I don't fuck with fear like that. So we're going to be exploring our journey and our relationship with fear. Okay. So I'll tell you where this came from. I was on uh, the... um, Spicy Life podcast. The host is Spicy Mari. And um, there was another guest that was on with me. And uh, we happened to like meet up at another event that Spicy Mari threw. And she said on the podcast, we were talking about, you know, how do you, just the title of the show. And, you know, we wanted something that would be like catchy. It was something like come, I don't know, come to come or not to come. Something like that. I'm making that up. But it was something like that. And it's a sex podcast. It's a relationship one. Okay. And so we wanted to put She said to come or not to come. I did say that. I did say that. <laughs> so, lust. so it is. It could have not been, but you did hear that it was, and you twas correct. So so we were trying to decide to use C U M or C O M E. And you know, I was like, C U M. And the other guest was like, uh uh Amber was like, um, no, no, because, you know, I'm be sharing this and my different worlds might come together and steal me. And so I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't fuck with fear like that. Like, I, you know, people see it, they click, they don't see it, they don't click. I mean, it is what it is. But I, I can't make that decision out of fear of what people are going to think about it. I have to think about the subject matter. We're pushing the envelope. We want people to destigmatize these things around sexuality. So we use the right word, you know. Um, and so when I saw her again, she said... Um, you know, I have been thinking about what you said, like in multiple scenarios, like, you know, in dating at work, like, I just think, you know what? I don't fuck with fear like that. <laughs> and I had forgotten I said it because I, I literally just told y'all that's what I do. Like mm-hmm. I say things and then I forget I said them. Thank she, God for recording. She, she just said, this is just what I do. This is, this is, I just come up with this shit. Follow me around and you'll have t-shirts for a lifetime. <laughs> just follow me for a day. But so I was like, ah, oh, that, I did say that. That is, some, we should put that on a fucking, like an hard t-shirt. We should. We but, will. So it, we decided that would make like such a good show topic because we really both have had interesting relationships with and journeys with like how we feel about fear. And I can say that now. I don't fuck with fear, but definitely that wasn't always the case. And and really clarifying what I mean by that statement, I think, is important as well. For sure. Um, you want to start? Want to jump into it? You jump in. Okay. So I was thinking a lot about this subject, and when I was even kind of like, what was the beginning of my journey of mm-hmm. dealing with fear? Right. And I really thought back to, have you ever read Conversations with God? Absolutely. Okay. So that was probably the a gift someone got me my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And that was an intro for me into all the metaphysical world, mm-hmm. but that's pretty new agey. So in there, in that book, he basically says, right, there's fear and there's love. Right. There's only one or the other. Mm-hmm. And all the negative things like... Anger, jealousy, envy, rage, etc., come from fear, mm-hmm. right? And everything else comes from love, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I think around that time, I started really exploring what did it mean to be a fearless person mm-hmm. and to really base my life in love because I was, at the, and at that time I was 17, mm-hmm. 
right? So I had come from a really, um, now that I look back and I've been around my family more in these last months, a lot of like, um, like we teach our children to fear, fear the world. Right. You know, like be care, like, for sure. You're going to break that. This is going to happen to you. This is going to happen to you. If you do this, this is going to happen to you. If you go over here, then this is going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, watch out. Rapists around the corner. Like, mm-hmm. I had come from a a, a space of worry. Mm-hmm. Constant, constant worry in my life. Like, everyone around me worrying about me and mm-hmm. about themselves and finances. And I decided I wanted to be outside that paradigm. hmm do you remember that book? Do you remember when you read it? I do. I read it. I was older. I read it mm. in my like mid twenties, mm. um, and that book did teach me a lot about what love is. Like, it, I, there was a part in that book where it said um, that, a, like, distinguishing between like abuse and love, and saying no. That sometimes it taught me that love isn't just like nice and always says yes. That love says no, especially if not saying no means you're allowing somebody to do something that is not good for their character or you. And I think they used the, he used the example of like an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was asking God in this book, um, well, what about these women who really love these men? And, you know, and, um, and God was like, well, love would not let itself be abused. Because it knows that that is not that is not the true nature of the person who's doing the abusing or yourself. Like yeah. love would not put you know what I mean. So I, the book did, did a great job of breaking down like those parts. For me, I think, I mean, when I think about fear and parenting, like that you just thought we're just talking about, many cultures have that fear based parenting, mm-hmm. you know, and from different reasons, like. Um, have friends who grew up in a Jewish family, and there's fe- a lot of fear-based parenting rooted in, you know, residual um, pain and trauma from the Holocaust. In black families and post-traumatic slave syndrome, they talk about how that parenting was used to protect their children. Ooh, that on, book is deep. That book is so deep. But like, even <laughs> how it's used to protect children on the plantation, but even beyond that, during Reconstruction, during Jim Crow, like you know, to keep your kid from death essentially is what you felt like real death um and how that's still really really taught i think we are now in a space where we are conscious of that that type of parenting and trying to many of us are trying to like shed some of that for Um, sure but it, it still feels scary at times um but my biggest breakthrough with fear because i think i did leave a a really fear-based life. And one of my biggest fears are people not liking me. Hmm. Um, I grew up very codependent. I watched a lot of codependency growing up. Um, I didn't realize, of course, that's what I was watching or what it was coming from. And what I now know is that a fear-based life is also a very controlling. Like, you become a very controlling person. And the way you control is not always this overt, right. masculine way of controlling, as we think of it. It's this very, It could be this very subtle nurturing way of controlling things right like me nurturing around people at times was a way of me controlling the scenario controlling the pieces I perceived it or controlling the relationship and in some ways was very manipulative um 
I didn't think of it that way at the time. I didn't realize I was controlling the atmospheres and the environments using nurturing out of fear. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so as I've gotten older, I've realized that more and more and that there should be more balance there. So when I, when I got divorced, I did a year of intentional living and each month. What does that mean? I decided that I made this big shift in my life. I made this big decision and I needed to make sure that each month I wasn't just like letting each month go by. I wanted each month to be transformational in some regard. Oh, I remember you were setting like intentions for each month. I would have an intention and a pathway for each month. So there was like a month about prosperity. There was a month about beauty. There was a month about honesty. Um, and there was a month about fear. And I knew... Oh, girl, we should do that on heart. I know. I have all the paperwork because, you know, I turned it into a workshop. And I did a year-long workshop with women. If y'all want to do this... Do the same thing. If y'all want to do this... I have all the paperwork. Go though. ahead and slide that paperwork <laughs> on over here. Let me put my stank on it. It'll be great. Yeah. I was that sounds to so fun. It was... I loved it. I like, you, with, you know I just like the beauty part. I know. The beauty was what... <laughs> And during beauty month, I have, and I have, I, it, I mean, it's it's a whole curriculum, basically, for a year of intentional living. I don't I know, I just. But you're a genius. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> I'm to, anyway, but I have that shit. So, fear month, I already knew, just the thought of dedicating an entire month to changing my relationship to fear freaked me out. Because in just, in saying that, I knew I was going to call to myself situations that I would be afraid of. Mm. Most of those situations were conflicts, were like conflicts with people. Um, at the time, it was like my landlord, my ex. Like It was like, I knew that's what was going to come up. And that is, what come, that is exactly what came up. And each time I had to remember that I called it, I had to deal with it. But I had this one day that I was in my kitchen. Remember my old place? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that place. Great anyway, place. Great place. I was in my kitchen. I don't probably cooking or doing something. And then I, 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 I felt like something was calling me into the hallway and nobody was home. Um, but I went into the hallway and I had a full conversation with fear. Hmm. And in that conversation, fear explained to me that we are always so excited to see joy and happiness and all these good feeling emotions, but that Fear is actually my best friend and has my best interest at heart because mm. when fear shows up, it is always before, and I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about like physical fear, like the threat of physical fear, but like in a spiritual, emotional, psychological way, when it shows up, it's like so on the, it's just before something is about to happen. And it's asking, am I ready for the thing that's about to happen? It's checking. Because if I get the thing before I'm ready for it, that could be more devastating. And I could lose Mm. the thing, the opportunity or the blessing that's Mm. coming. And from that point on, whenever I feel fear, I now view it as, oh, I must be really close to an opportunity or something amazing. And I'm able to, like, convert it. Mm. Um, into like, okay, let me check myself and see, reflect and see if I'm grounded enough, if I'm ready enough for this thing that I'm asking for, this thing that I want. And I mean, that's separate from like, again, like I say, physical fear. The threat of physical fear is a totally different category of fear than we're talking about here. But I just realized when fear, fear of asking for a raise, fear of leaving your job, fear of all these different things, when it shows up, what it's taught me is that it's here, it's here to test your readiness, 
for mm-hmm. the thing that's coming or the thing that you're asking for. I, I think it's really a do it anyway. Uh, it wants for, you to. For me, like, okay, so I, I was thinking while you were talking, it's a really great story. Fear as your best friend. Like, I grew up very much, um, for there's a period of time, maybe like nine to 18, mm. those nine years, pretty alone. Mm hmm. And by myself. And so I remember <laughs> I was a latchkey kid, right? Mm. So there's all kind of stuff that would happen to mm-hmm. me. Like I accidentally accidentally leave the stove on and mm-hmm. almost uh, get... Blow up the house? No, no. My mom came home and I was like weak. Gas. Yeah. Oh, you the gas on. Oh. I did. Like, and she had to like... <laughs> I, yeah, I remember like I was like faint, like barely conscious. Mm. But she couldn't obviously take me to the emergency room or else... Why was she home alone? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was a child. Mm-hmm. But I remember vividly someone knocking on the door and I looked through the peephole. It was in the middle of the night. I think I was like 10 years old. And it was a man in a trench coat. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, sir. With a hat. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. He had on a hat. He had on a trench coat. All the things and that it, would be And it was raining. You. And it was raining. And I remember running up the stairs and getting under the bed and just shivering with yeah. with being just so scared. Yeah. And as I <laughs> as I grew older, I just decided like I didn't want to feel those feel. I was a I can't underestimate to you yeah. how alone. Yeah. So often attack, you know, I've talked probably about being attacked by skinheads. Yeah. Just being by myself and not having anyone there and just, you know. You can afford to be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a luxury. I've been in a lot of situations from an early age where I was scared very often. Mm -hmm. And I would look around and there was nobody there. Mm -hmm. And so I think I adapted something like. I think I remember writing on my college essays like I'm about not, about not being afraid like about my courage like mm-hmm. I have a lot of courage and it's not that I'm fearless but I just decide to do it anyway. Absolutely. That is it. That is what courage mm-hmm. is actually. Like mm-hmm. it's not that you don't see the fear or feel the fear. It's that you do feel it and you do see it and you do the thing anyway. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that I do that completely frighten me, and they always have. Yeah. I'm a shy person, like I'm all of these things. So that doesn't seem like it, but yeah. I just go over that hump. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking a lot about our generation's kind of, I don't want to say, because I don't want to minimize it, but our generation talks a lot about anxiety. It does. And I wanted to kind of talk about that here. Yeah, 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 for sure. I I remember looking up a couple years ago and I was like, do I have anxiety? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is that what this is? Is mm-hmm. that this like nervousness? Is that this worry? Is that this thing? Mm-hmm. What am I afraid of? What is that thing? Mm-hmm. There's like this um, generational buzz or something yeah. that's like, Afraid of the future, afraid of um, of of the of the earth, us having not having an earth anymore. Like there's all of these things, right? Like I feel like a lot of it stirred up after nine eleven. You think so? I remember. I don't remember feeling that way before then. I don't remember. 
I don't remember actively feeling that way. Even, you know, I, I don't remember it. But I remember a tremendous amount of it beginning. I remember the, I remember the lockdown of the airport and the having you can't go in oh, here and the it was metal a, detectors. It was, a, the, it was a cultural shift yeah. to a culture of we're going to be afraid. And I remember... Completely. And it was sold to us that way. Absolutely. Because you know I was in New York in 9-11 and mm-hmm. I was at the, the World Trade Center... Uh, the Marriott there mm. till nine. I checked out on nine ten. So I checked out on nine ten. I landed on nine eleven. My family still thought I was there. So I remember going. You know, my mom called me, freaking out. I had just my. They wouldn't let planes out. It was really no. crazy. It's a really long story. Because people now don't even remember. There was a time when your family could walk you right up to the gate. There was none of that stuff. Like, no, I remember doing what I'm that saying as a kid. on nine ten. Mm-hmm. All the airports were insane. On nine ten or nine eleven? On nine ten, I flew out on nine ten. All of the airports were crazy. We were trying to stay another day, mm-hmm. so we had tried to stay another day at the World Trade Center Marriott. We couldn't get another day. Mm-hmm. I was with friends. It was like a business friendship mm-hmm. type of thing. So then we checked out, and as we checked out, we went to the airport, and we went to separate airports. And I remember calling the people I was traveling with, like. Are they letting flights out where you are? It's, it was a little rainy, but all the flights, all the planes were completely grounded. The day before? Yes. Wow, that is crazy. I didn't know that. This was in JFK and in Newark. So I was calling my friend in Newark, like, are you, are you out? Have you left? And some planes were being allowed to leave and some weren't. Some people were being put in hotels and some people, were, you know, some people had to stay in New York and some didn't. And I just remember being completely afraid, Mm -hmm. like something's not right here, like Mm -hmm. something's going on. I can feel something weird in the air, like I need to get home. And I called whatever one of the guys I was dating. (laughs) 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 I called one of the guys I was dating at the time, like, yo, I got to get out of here, like. I got to get out. I just have to get out of this city. And I landed, got home, and then I was asleep literally for 30 seconds. Like, And my roommate woke me up like, we have to leave because we were by the um, the federal building. Mm-hmm. So I go to my friend's house and me and him are sitting and talking. It was his birthday, actually. And he tells me like, hey, you know what? Like, we're about to go into this moment as humanity from this thing that just happened. And there's going to be two choices. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a choice to really open our arms up and love one another and forgive one another and embrace a whole new way Mm -hmm. of relating to one another from this. It could be like a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. And this, this kind of thing could be this moment for humanity where we say, we want to do things differently mm-hmm. or we're going to go down this super fearful yeah yeah islamophobic yeah. type of thing right so he was really clear in that moment and he was like whatever you do don't go down the fear path mm. don't get sucked into it cuz it's going to get really bad for a while if we go that way mm-hmm. but he said the collective consciousness is completely open Mm-hmm. To something, just like tell us what to do. Yeah, because we don't know what to do because yeah. we've never faced this thing before. Yeah, that I'm telling you, that's I I feel like okay, you know, I had normal black kid shit. Like 
you know, stuff with families. But I did not have and like an anxiety. The, but also, so there was that. Because you're right, because we were like teenagers yeah. at that time. I was at this was, Dominguez, Cal State Dominguez. Yeah, I was in college. I was in my so first years of college. So the thing about it is like, so even just the idea of us having to go through the security checkpoints was a brain fuck. Like, or just, just even the school starting to do lockdowns. So, so, and then we had the banks collapse. Yeah. So that was the, that was another thing. So we woke up the next day and like all these banks were like collapsing. People's money was disappearing. So we lived through that. Everybody lost their, their homes. We lived through that. So these are two highly, highly nationally traumatic events um, that we forget had such a huge impact on our idea of what is safe in terms of what we can count on, what we can build on. Now it feels like everything is like really nothing to build on. It feels like, and in some ways, the, the generation that's coming up has a better relationship with that because they they they're unattached anyway. They have devices that walk with them. I mean, we used to have computers that you literally had to sit yeah. at a desk for and have everything plugged in. They have, they've, they, don't, they don't know that world, right? And so I, this is, I'm so glad you brought this up because to me, what's really important in this conversation is us being still enough to know the difference between manufactured fear mm. and spiritual fear that is used like this archangel to help us move and grow into our next levels. Right. And the way you really have to learn how to distinguish between these two is one, I would say, is external. It's something that you are informed that you should be. It's something that you are expected externally to to be, that reaction. Internally, when it comes up and it's between you and you, Mm -hmm. that's the kind that's like that spiritual fear that's... Now, a scenario could be used to trigger the spiritual fear. But in that regard, what that really was, what we saw was the manufacturing of fear. And it's because fear sells products. It does. Fear sells... Consumerism went through the fucking roof. I mean, fear fear sells war, so... Fear sells war. It sells sells products. It sells, you know, bottled water and rope and... Canned goods and all these things. It's that- so crazy. Every time there's a little earthquake and then everyone gets so afraid and everyone goes and buys everything. Everything. No, I mean, but, you know, the, it, it, fear sells. And we have to remember that. And that's the purpose of manufactured fear. And that's why when I say I don't fuck with fear like that, I felt like what that person was talking about was a manufactured fear. Right? It was something that, like, if we're talking about come, then we're talking about come. Why would I spell it differently, right? Right. Because that's a manufactured idea that comes from outside of me. Now, if, if it was an internal fear, like an internal fear I had was a fear of like really, really wanting something for myself and not getting it. That's mm-hmm. an internal fear. That's something I have to learn to push past and push through and question like, do you trust that if you don't get this thing, that that is ultimately also for your good, even if you don't know it yet? I think that's kind of interesting because those are the ones that always seem a little bit bigger. Mm. Like they've been for me. I remember, you know, as a younger person, the fear of not being partnered was Mm. huge. Mm -hmm. Not ever having someone to love me. I think that was like 
the monster fear mm-hmm. that followed me from like 12 years old, mm-hmm. the fear mm-hmm. that no one will love me, the fear of being unlovable, mm-hmm. you know, the fear of not being in relationship. And then as I got older, the fear of breaking up, mm-hmm. the fear of, of abandonment, abandonment, mm-hmm. the fear of divorce, mm-hmm. the fear of being completely alone, mm-hmm. the fear of being alone with all these children, uh, all of, you know, those are the fears for me that for are, the, are big the, the big ones. And those are the ones that come to help us grow. Right. Because what they point out is a wound mm-hmm. or a blockage mm-hmm. from young that needs to be removed so that we can walk without that fear. Yeah, I think I heard you say the fear of not being liked. And I remember mm-hmm. you used to... Uh, always try to clean the house <laughs> no matter how fucking tired i was <laughs> and when i first became a wife and a mom mm-hmm. and all that stuff that was a big deal to me this idea that people and that would come so, and judge me because of yeah. how my house oh yeah was. it was it was and, and that's external that's external but I, I but i think my bigger thing was fear of fear of like losing control Mm. Fear of not being able to manage the peace. I grew up with, you know, there was issues of violence at times in my house. And so I think that that was very much like I had to be in control and I had to help. I had to know how to help and had to know how to fix. I mean, I'm a therapist for God's sake. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? So like that has shaped so much of my identity. It's interesting because now I'm growing out of that identity rapidly. And and a part of that was because I healed that the shaping, wound. the need to shape, the, the need, need to, to shape, fix. the need to fix, the need to be the one to fix, right? Because that made me valuable in some capacity. You know, I'm I, I'm disassociating from that identity too. Yeah, I, I think a lot about the word of healer and I, and yeah. how that relates to. I mean, we we talk about we're here to heal the culture with joy and pleasure here, right? And I'm always kind of turning the mirror around, mm-hmm. like. You know, the healing that we do here is to support you in healing yourself. Yes. And identifying myself as healer has always been a very challenging. uh, (laughs) I think we create tools that help people heal. And that still ties us back into who we are at our core. You and I are very much artists and creators. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we also believe everybody can create. Everybody does create actively. But no, really, I think. It's so funny because I was telling, um, there's a show called Couples Therapy on Showtime. Mm-hmm. And I love watching it, just like I like listening to Esther Perel, because therapy is so intimate and private that you never get to see anybody else do it. Like, even as a therapist, I can hear, I could talk to other therapists about it, but to watch it is like watching, if, if it's done well, you're watching something that's so fucking sacred and beautiful. Yeah. It's profound, right? And I realize, that at a certain point I went into the field because I wanted to be the fixer. And I and I had I had a good heart, I had good intentions, but I didn't realize that they were growing on top of a wound of, you know, what I couldn't fix in my childhood. Um and at some point though, it's so interesting because I think even with even the things we try to grow from our wounds, spirit can turn into something Beautiful. Beautiful. And I, at some point, I began to transition out of the fixer and more into the, you know, 
understanding that this is a co co creating experience. Yeah, a collaborating. It's a collaborating experience, and that my job was just to be available to spirit at that time to do the work. And so, what that has led me to do though is grow out of this healer role as well because it's also I think part of me didn't want to leave it because I know how sacred and beautiful the work is and I felt special being a person who did that work Ooh, you better tell the truth <laughs> because a lot of ooh, don't get me started <laughs> I felt I did and I, this is something I'm really I, it's the, the it's, idea of feeling special I had I had yeah. somebody call me out on that before I think I was around 21 she said you know, I don't know if she was right, mm-hmm. but it was oh, it was it was a valid question. Mm-hmm. Do you do all these things so other people think you you're great? Mm-hmm. Do you help all the the youth? At the time, I was mm-hmm. doing a lot of youth work. Yeah. I was yeah. traveling a lot, yeah. and my travels were Is it all really about really what you'd want to do. It was all about helping people, right? And she Completely. was just like, "You're doing this so you can." prove you're this good person you're doing this because it makes you feel good about yourself now there's nothing wrong with that right there's nothing wrong with helping other people because it feels good i mean it does feel fucking good it It feels it's it's been life-changing work for sure i almost said it feels good to suck a dick (laughs) (laughs) last that helps another person feel good right like but it feels good to help other people it does yeah to see other people become better but are you doing it for the look right are you doing it to feel special because there's what you said a wound there right is it to cover up some sort of fear that you have of and i think seeing the real you or discovery all of that stuff is I, stuff I had to journey sure, through. For sure. That, I mean, a lot of it's, a lot of codependency is wrapped up in it. Like this fear, codependency really comes down to the fear of intimacy. And the fear of intimacy is the fear of being seen as you are for who you are and not being accepted. Right. Right? Not yeah, being, being loved, flaws and all. Being rejected. Being rejected. And so, you know, being this likable place where everybody could put their emotional needs, this receptacle for that. Who's not going to love that? Um, at the same time, like, so it's, it's such a, it's, it's such a complex thing. I want to jump here because I've had things before where I would feel like I'm this person, I'm this person who's there for people and supporting people and giving all of this. And then I'm still rejected. Yeah. What did they not like? Right. Right. What was it? Was it, I was too kind. Right. Do do people like more bitchy? Like yeah. should should I been more bit bitchy? Right. What what was it that they reject were rejecting? Right. So it, it was a, a a long while of me walking sure. this path of figuring out like, wait, no matter what I do, you know who you know who taught me that still you know who taught me that me. Crystal Tennille Irby. <laughs> Crystal Tanir Irby told me, oh, you think because you nice people ain't going to talk shit about you? They are. And that was like the most mind-blowing thing to me. I couldn't imagine that if I had done everything right, here comes the control from the fear, from the wound, right? Right. If I do everything right, then everything should work out and everybody should like me. That is just not fucking reality. But it took me and the blessing of all these, and let me say this: I took my craft very seriously, 
as a therapist. Like I am so profoundly grateful. I know we held sacred space and mm. I know we did sacred work because it, at that point it doesn't matter why I'm there. Like it, we're there. We're both there. And we've right. decided that healing is the priority. You know right. what I mean? And so I'm so, so, so profoundly grateful. I literally healed because of the healing that people came to me for. I mean, every client was a part of me in some way. It, and everything I went through was, I feel like, in some way for these clients. <laughs> like, I would like, I know exactly what you're talking about because I had been through it. And hmm. it, to me, it's one of the most beautiful jobs on earth, to be quite honest. And I'm being really serious. I've been blessed to have two jobs I really love, that and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I think all of that was also to get me through these fears and to heal these wounds so that I could create unapologetically and without fear, mm. which is where I feel like this is where I am. I'm at that, I'm at the base of that mountain ready to climb, you know? And mm. so when I say I don't fuck with fear like that, it's become a big, big, beautiful part of my journey. Now when I feel the fear, I'm like, oh, all right, giddy up. It's about to be, here we go. I'm about to, I have an opportunity to grow. I have a chance to like, something came up recently where someone, you know, the more you are out there, the more you're going to get some of that. Which was another fear of mine, right? Like, if I put myself out there, if I get really big, you know, this was my mm-hmm. sort of anti-Leo fear. Mm-hmm. If I get really big, I'm going to be a target. Why, that came in after Deaf Poetry. So here's this grand experience where I'm touring around the country and people know who I am and it felt amazing. And then YouTube came out. And then comments on mm-hmm. YouTube came out. And I was being called a dumb bitch and everything else, right, for this poem I did. And it's, I couldn't write for three years, Really, Thea? I couldn't write for three years after that because I just, I was like, that's not what I meant. That's it. I felt like, how do I correct this? How do I fix it? How do I let them know I'm not a dumb bitch? How do I? And it was impossible. So the one, it was impossible to reach out to all the people and say, you're wrong about me. And I had to, and I'm still overcoming the issue of people are going to be wrong about you and people are going to think they're completely fucking right and people are going to be right about you and you're going to wish they were wrong about you you know what <laughs> that's I'm what saying? i was about to say people are going to say some shit that's really true that's really true and they're going to see your blind spot and it's not going to there's going to be a lot of things and people could see that and talk to you shitty and you could be like i hear you but i ain't fucking with you until you come no, to me come we, to me correct we've been talking a lot you and i about visibility the last mm-hmm. couple years and that was um like looking through my photos and stuff, seeing like, why don't I have photos of myself? Like, is that a fear that I have? Am I, am I afraid of like seeing myself? What is this? Like, what is this? Uh, and you love your face. I do. I think I'm, I, <laughs> I think I I'm a that. cute girl. But I, I, it definitely shifted in that this is something I was thinking about all weekend, actually. I, I had an identity that was really in my identity was so um, wrapped up in being thin. Mm. Like it was me and being thin were 
like my whole life. I was super skinny. Mm-hmm. I was called chicken legs my whole life. Like being this really teeny tiny person. Mm-hmm. I think there was some equation of my beauty in there. Yeah, I can understand. Yep. And having a body that was very just small and slender and the way that people talked about my body all the time. Mm -hmm. I remember being really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. often, but there must have been some sort of pride. Yeah, after a while, yeah. That was associated with it. You know, I used to get offended, like, mostly... You know, I've noticed this over time. I haven't had a lot of disparaging comments from men ever, no matter the size, mm-hmm. no matter the look. It's been women. <laughs> no matter the hair. <laughs> yeah. It's always been women. Mm-hmm. It's always been women that have something to say about how I look and mm-hmm. or women who have something to say about men's attraction to me, mm-hmm. given how I look to them, mm-hmm. when men have... All kinds of men have always been like, well, you look good to me, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think a lot of it, and even, yeah, a lot of it after having children, and when I look back now, after my first child, I was only about 15 pounds bigger than I was. Right. Like, that's probably like a goal weight right now for me, right? But I gained 10 or 15 pounds with each child Mm -hmm. or went up a size or another size or another size with each child. And then when I look at my body... I still don't recognize there's some sort of disconnect that I have Mm -hmm. of whose body is this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I've been in this thicker body Mm -hmm. for like eight years, Mm -hmm. you know, but I was in this a whole other body my whole life. Right. Right. So I don't even relate when people are like, damn, your ass though. I'm like, (laughs) really? (laughs) I didn't have no booty before. Right. 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 And I like look, look at my own ass. Like, is this it? Mm -hmm. But this concept, I mean, a lot of mothers have this issue of like even having pictures of themselves. Yeah. Visibility. Yeah. It's hard to even get somebody to take a picture of you. That you like. (laughs) That you approve. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. But this, um, I was a ham, like for when um, you were when you felt like you were thinner. Yeah, yeah, I was a person that didn't hide from a camera. I spent a lot of time mm. being super I'm a theater major. You should do a photo shoot. I a lot of them. I should, but I spent a lot of time doing lots of theatrics in front. I have mm-hmm. pictures of myself in a bathtub doing like faux suicide. Like I, I was just always doing the most. <laughs> <laughs> when I look back at my old pictures before mm-hmm. I had children. They're in just numerous mm-hmm. with all kinds of like wigs and makeup and drama and just having the best time because I was really into my own image. Mm. And I think the the positive side of that is I've um, become less arrogant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course, the arrogance had like insecurity in it. Yeah. Growing up a, the ugly girl or all of that stuff and then growing into being someone that people thought was cute or mm-hmm. whatever. But I've just been really like, is this a fear? Is this something that I need to face? Or is it a place of... Hmm, is this just a place where it doesn't feel as comfortable? That like I like myself when I see myself in a mirror, but sharing myself... Hmm with other people feels a, a little you, bit... Un- like you might have unconsciously avoided it 
Uh, yes. Yeah. It's not unconscious. Now it's conscious. It is conscious. It is conscious. I've been avoiding cameras for years, consciously. You know, I had, I was never a ham in that way. <laughs> I, 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 I never felt like, I never liked taking pictures or pictures of me. Um, but remember, I think we talked about it on all her. I did a photo shoot. We did. And that was a, to face a fear. But that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Like, I think how we use it now is once we're conscious of that's what we're doing, or we know like, oh, wait, I have a, I have a fear here. We take it on. Yeah, I've been really thinking about how to take pictures of myself, how to capture myself, because it's really not about how anyone else sees me. Right. You know, it's not about the it's not about the outside gaze in any way. It's about how I'm seeing myself now and how do I inhabit the body that I have? Yeah. You know, because you said you love your face. I do. Mm -hmm. But my body is not mm. is is not my friend. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been my friend since I started having children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my partner was talking to me about like just like your clothes, like you used to just like have so many clothes and shop so much. And I was like, yeah, but I've been like a size two and a size six and a size eight and a size 10 and a size 12 mm -hmm. and 14 and a 10 and a nine. And a, mm -hmm. been jumping around. I've been up and down. And I think yeah. that's something that like, I don't know. It's just not discussed. Yeah, for sure. A lot. Like, for so sure. it's just like, even like the expression of which like my, you've known me for a long time. Yeah. I've always been an eccentric type yeah, of dressing yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. But I've just kind of decided to just like go minimal and uniform until I get to the body, hmm. this ideal body mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm looking for. And anytime I'm pregnant, it's a real uh, break. What do you mean break? From thinking about it? Yeah. Because then it's like, oh, I'm pregnant. Don't yeah. Worry about it. Yeah. I got a pregnant body now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm fucking pregnant. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't have to worry about fashion. Yeah. I don't yeah. need to think about. Yeah. But even the idea of fashion changed in growing a bigger body because yeah. I didn't know how to dress my body. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I didn't have anywhere to to kind of think about those things or even being thick. Yeah. Being a thick girl and being like, a size 10 and not plus size. I just didn't know where. Do you understand? Where, what yeah, no, listen. Which, where, which way to go. And it's not something to complain about. Because if I'm complaining, it's like, what, what size are you? Right. You're not even. You don't get to. You don't get to. You're not in the, you're not in the area where you can complain. Or that, claim it, but you're not where you used to be either. No, because we're not kids. Who, who's who's we're not freaking kids. Who's crying for the girl who used to be a size zero? Nobody. <laughs> I can tell you right now, bitch. Nobody. But it's true. But, no, it, it's, but it's, it's, it, it but it's a real thing. It's a real, and it's a thing that I think. Well, you know, I will say I was gonna say that women go through, but I've actually experienced this quite a bit with men as well. Mm. I've quite a, I've encountered quite a few men with body issues and like they're not comfortable in their body they've gained weight in their body or whatever the case may be um and actually made me realize they think about it quite a bit um it's just not as externally shamed the way ours is or yeah. or commented on the way ours is but it's 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 a thing they feel and experience because i mean they see the same ads we see it's true and we're in la right yeah and also i make my money how i make my money the, the way I look is 
uh, an, an issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, it's not that so I'm not in would... entertainment. I'm in entertainment. So, yes. to me, like, I've just been thinking a lot about that. Like, did I make the decision to be more in a writer's chair, in a producer's chair because, because of that? Of that? Mm. Because for so long, as you know, I was in a performer's chair. For sure. And I wasn't really thinking. No, I know you as a performer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm great at that. Yeah. But that hasn't been my focus for years. Like, so it's been an unconscious fear of what would you think? Oh, did, did y'all hear how they just turned into the therapy real quick? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> gotcha, uh, bitch. <laughs> bitch, you know, I don't believe in therapy. I like somatics where they don't talk um, much. It's an unconscious fear. So of, it's like, okay, so we would, if we follow the thread, and um, this is good for our, our, our listeners too, if we follow the thread of, you know, if I'm in front of the camera, then that means what? Uh, people will see me as I am like this. And, and that will mean what? Um, they might say something about how I look. And then you would feel... Mm, like, fuck y'all niggas. <laughs> <laughs> and, but if we dig a little deeper... <laughs> dig, dig a little bit, bitch. <laughs> Because if we follow the, if we follow the trail, okay, okay, see. okay. Um, let's see. What is the fear? If we so you said if we, I don't fear people talking about how I look because like like on a surface level mm-hmm. because I grew up with people calling me a lot of names mm-hmm. around my looks. Mm-hmm. I I expect it. Mm-hmm. I expect it. I don't welcome Do it. Do you fear not getting the compliment because you were so used to getting the compliments around your your body? So there's like a little different because that was the area where you got praised. Maybe. I have to think about that because I do remember some folks saying stuff like, yeah, your body is really changed. It's all women. You know, I think I fear pe- more people closer to me talking about my body. And then is it is part of the fear that then that'll make you feel more closed off about your body? Yeah, I actually like, don't like any comments on my body okay. from anyone that's not my man mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, my child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's I, I've noticed like it comes up when mm-hmm. someone's like, "Damn!" Like, and I'm just I just like either uncomfortably laugh it off. Mm-hmm. These are compliments, right? But you still hmm. Because to me, the compliments can very quickly turn, turn right, 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 into right. something else. Right, and I'm always like, "Well, I don't know where this is going to go." And I've been in places that I thought were safe, mm. whether that be family or friends, and this turns into so the fear someone's going to say something hurtful. Yeah, the fear some, but it's not it's not the the outside world, right? It's the inside. It's people you care about, people who mm-hmm. whose words matter to you mm-hmm. because they know what my body's supposed to look like what it used to look like i said supposed oh, in, in, air yeah, quotes. in air quotes yeah 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 and so this image of like maybe i'm trying to get back to that i think other people are still looking at me mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. but i mean most times people only really give a fuck about themselves so 
I don't even know. I'm thinking about so it. So part hard. of part of like turning this fear into a spiritual fear, like an archangel that helps you, would be like to demonstrate how. Um, going back to what we said before, people say hurtful shit anyway. They do. I guess I just don't want to be one of those people on Instagram that's like, I love myself. <laughs> when you know, Do you know what I'm, saying? I agree. I'm not trying to clown, but but what what it is, is you want to get some... back to a place where you're connected to your body, and oh, it's not based on. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't even dance how I used to. Mm. Well, I don't you know, move girl, you like know. I used to. There's one place where I'm very connected to my body. I'm sure. And if I was a betting man, <laughs> I would say we're headed for the vagina. <laughs> Is this vaginal? I no, I'm just saying it, it's it's a it's a, it's a, a location. <laughs> not, okay, okay. Not, not one part okay. of my body. I mean okay. a location where I'm connected to Send the whole thing. Your location. <laughs> I like the fifth song of sometime. This is I think this is gonna be super helpful for people. Because I think what you just did was demonstrate how these fears are not always like so externalized. They really can be deeply internal and unconscious. Because I'm, I want to be clear, like I say, I don't fuck with fear like that because I'm not a very fear, fearful person. Mm-hmm. There's there's not many things that you can say. Do you want to do this? And I'm like, damn, I don't know if I could do that. Right. Let's try it. Right. Someone want to have a courageous conversation. I feel my heart beat start beating faster and I say and I lean in mm-hmm. let's go mm-hmm. let's go let's talk about it what happened how you feeling how you feel about me but I get nervous for yeah, sure for sure we like, feel yeah we don't is that something we're excited to do but we know we're gonna do it yeah, yeah. but the lean I lean in to my yeah. failures I lean into the place the other day I was about to have some meeting and I was like, whoa, like this thing is getting big, baby. Like mm-hmm. this thing is getting to be match a vision that I didn't even see. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel some feeling of, am I supposed to be here? Right. Am I adequate right. for this? And taking deep breaths in, deep breaths out, giving myself pep mm-hmm. talk. Like, yes, you're the person, you're the right person for this. And those fears are easier for, for, for me. Sure. Those are the fears I don't fuck with, right? Right, right. But when it comes to those internal, really deep things, like you're saying, it's like, yes, let me hunt you down and try to really see what's underneath there mm-hmm. and where the cut is, where the um, where the wound is. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's how it works. But but the goal is to see that as good work. Like, as exciting as an opportunity. Yeah. You know, even even if it feels shitty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even if it feels uncomfortable. At this point, like, for me, I'm like, um, in this specific moment, I will say, and I'm fresh off some fresh ashe, as you know. Um, m- my biggest fear is probably me getting in my own way. Like I'm, I'm really watching myself to not let myself mm-hmm. miss or give up or surrender or negotiate out like I've done in the past. Mm. Um, my biggest fear right now, my fear of not doing this great big thing 
or the great big things that I feel like I came here to do is beginning to supersede these other fears. Hmm. And so I'm using that fear to get me over the other ones. You know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. using the fear of like, I'm like, yeah, I may be afraid of like how this will impact my life, how this will impact my friendships, how this will impact my kids, how this will impact my husband. But I'm more afraid. Of not doing it. Of dying unrealized, unactualized. Absolutely. You know, I, that. so I'm using that fear as like, okay, if I'm going to have a fear that's pulling me, that's driving me, it's going to be that one. I feel, I feel very much in alignment with that. Yeah. Ooh. The fear of how it impacts, how, how achieving or realizing this vision impacts my children is a, a very yeah. palpable one. Yeah, for sure. And I just always hear a very clear voice that says, like, your path is going to be like no other path before you. Mm-hmm. You can't compare yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things will be in alignment. Mm-hmm. Every, everyone will be cared for. And everyone has their own journey. Mm-hmm. And everybody will have their own mind to make up about what that looks for, looks like. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I always agree to pay for the first six sessions of therapy. <laughs> That's a part of the agreement. I'll pay for your first six sessions. I laugh at that joke every time. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. And I'll pay for your first six sessions. With my successful money. <laughs> I don't know. That that yeah, there's there's a lot of fears to to unpack. But I think I think we've done good work here. We did. We did amazing work. And I and so hopefully what we did is something that our listeners will be able to do as well. Um my words from the heart are um perfect uh well Hold on, I don't want to get it wrong because you know the saints, they know their Bible. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't quote it. Go ahead. I paraphrase quite a bit. I take liberties. First John four eighteen. There is no fear in love, but love, perfect love, casts out all fear. So when we do find those moments of fear, we can apply some love. Mm. I love that too. Um, my words from the heart really are. Mm. To be honest with y'all, I I, I think I gave them already. (laughs) I think I gave them already. I I think that there's something that we cheat. You just said the word, but I think that there's something about doubt Mm. that is uh, fear waiting to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like what doubt is. I think doubt is something that is very small, but it keeps us from listening to our greatest self mm-hmm. and our clearest voice. Mm-hmm. And what I've known for years now is the more in tune I am with that highest voice, mm-hmm. with the voice of what, whatever you want to call it. Some people call it spirit. Right. Some people refer to it as their ori. Right. Some people say highest self. Actually. The more in tune to that voice that I've become, the less concerned I am with any fears. Absolutely. Hundred, one hundred percent. And I've developed, and we can talk about this in future episodes, but I've developed a real clear relationship. It's your, it's your most important one. Yes. It, I have a, I have a, cl- it's like picking up the phone and talking. And I made an intention 
that that's what I wanted that to be like, Mm -hmm. that I could just pick up the phone, talk and hear the answer back. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm feeling fearful, when I'm having the conversation with myself about what's going on with this? Why am I hiding? Am I hiding? Yes, you're hiding. You are absolutely hiding. Well, what do I do about it? Well, this is what you should do. And you wouldn't have known to pick up that call, to make that call if fear hadn't shown up. And this is why we this is why we welcome fear to the journey. Right. Because it lets us know to do that check-in, to do that call. Mhm. Absolutely. Or should I go down this road? Right. Period. If you feel fear if you feel that fear of like um I don't know if this is the right way for me to mm-hmm. go, right? Mm-hmm. It's more like bodily danger that you're mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. That voice also chimes in and says, yes. nah, bitch, go the other way. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. For, sure. So, for sure. So to me, I guess my words from the heart are about really getting that relationship, whether you want to call it spirit, or higher me. self, mm-hmm. or we, whatever you mm-hmm. call it. I call it counsel, mm-hmm. right? So I check I in with- I call it Ori. I check in with my counsel and mm-hmm. I say, what's up? You know, and it's a really clear voice yeah. that started off really whispery. Now it's quite powerful. Now it's a very loud and clear voice. It started off just as in, in a dream. Mm-hmm. And I used to have to go to sleep to speak, right? Because I didn't trust that voice in the real, in the real world, mm-hmm. you know, or on, in the conscious world, right? In the waking world. So now that voice is so clear that the fears that I have, it's a sit down communion. This is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Is this real? Yeah. How can I let this go? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What are you here to show me? What are you here to tell me? What are you here to to teach me? What's coming? I get excited about, well, what's coming? Because for me to have to learn this lesson now means something's coming. The last thing I wanted to say is just thank you for listening to this conversation. I wanted to say Thea and I, we really are getting more and more passionate about building a community with y'all. Yeah. And if you've listened to the entire episode, thank you. <laughs> and we just want to hear from you. Like we really are appreciating how y'all are inboxing us, telling us about how things are working for you or not working for you or having these questions or all the things that are coming up for you, this is a dialogue. When we say healing the culture, we're talking about we're all healing together. Yes. This is a, a, a big circle. Yes. That, you know, her and I are looking at each other. We look at each other in the eye yes. as we're recording. The whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but we want to to look at you too. And we're fi- figuring out ways to do that. Yes. To do that in, I'm so in excited person, about it. to do that virtually, to really build community, to really build circle, to really build relationship. Um, this is actually called a relationship podcast. If you look under Apple Podcasts, mm. it's under relationships because I feel like that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Thea and I have a relationship. We have a relationship with ourselves, with with each other, and also with you all. Yeah, you know? definitely. So please like, continue to relate to us, to share with us, to share this episode with other people you're in relationship with. And to continue to expand us. Maybe we left something out in this conversation. Yeah, have more. Keep the conversation going and know that because because we see your growth and your response, whether it's through the downloads or whether it's through the reviews or all these things, we then are recognizing the need to expand 
so that we can be in deeper communion with you and also expand the community of people who are here to heal the culture through joy and love and pleasure. So we are responding to you. Yeah, you're, you're the lead. <laughs> and we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.